we have no idea what we're doing. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Amateur Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Jackson Moon. I'm another host, William LaFour. And I'm David Mathis. And we have another guest, uh, the same guest as a couple of episodes ago. Um, as you know, my favorite guest, Abby. Hello. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, no problem. I think by now everyone knows that if Abby's on, we might be talking about <laughs> something like in the same genre <laughs> of something spooky or murdery, right? How about both? <laughs> <laughs> You're getting the full Abby dose tonight. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like a, a given if Abby's on, it's like, oh, must be something creepy. Is that a bad thing? <laughs> that's all. That's all no. I'm for. <laughs> Just the scary <laughs> thing. <laughs> well, that's what you're. Inter- that's what you are interested in being on the podcast about most of the time. That is true. I could talk about it for a very, very long time. Yeah. So a little bit of housekeeping before we get into it tonight, because we do have quite a bit of stuff to cover. Um, if you'd like to c- get in contact with us, you can email us info at amateurhourpod.com. You can tweet at us at amateur underscore pod. And if you would like to support us financially, you can head over to patreon.com slash amateur hour pod and do it there. Yep. Lots of good stuff over on the Patreon get some access to some extras. Um, the video portions of the podcast where you might get to see uh, David's child. He's very cute. Uh, if that entices anyone to go pay uh, a little bit extra. It definitely should us. entice you. <laughs> It's in this episode. Yeah, it's so. this episode specifically. So go sign up. And even if it's just for a month. You want to see that. That's right. And William's mustache is back. I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks good, man. Thank it's you. really good. Got a little bit of scruff going on too on the chin. Yeah. Are you growing your hair out? Or are you just, is I that am, just a yeah. side effect of not cutting it? <laughs> <laughs> That would also be a side effect of not cutting it. Yeah, that's yeah, the same. Essentially the same. Well, I mean, are you doing um, it on purpose? Are you purposefully not cut it in a few months? Yes. Okay, cool. I'm just. Yeah. I, I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is a legitimate question. It wasn't funny because it was funny. It was funny just because it sounded. It did I sound kind of weird. It sounded funny. It, it was, uh, <laughs> it's like the way you phrased it. <laughs> is that a side effect? <laughs> side effects may include. <laughs> All right, tonight we're going to be talking about the Amityville Horror Murder House. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. This is where, like, the house murders people, right? Yes, it's like, mm-hmm. have you ever yeah. seen Monster House? <laughs> great movie. It's a great, it's such a good movie. great animated movie where the house is alive and it eats little children or something like that. It, it's been a long time since I've seen it. No, not quite. Not quite. This oh, is a... I did research for the wrong thing, then. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a movie review for Monster House. Although we should, we should totally do a movie review of Monster House. Well, we, have, that. we have to now. Being completely serious, <laughs> I've never seen this movie. So. Oh, it's so good. It's a, like a, a good classic. Is it? I think so. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I, think I, I think our family saw it when it first came out, and it was okay. It's not one of those that I, like, wanted to watch again. When did it come out? I mean, roughly. Oh, like, long time ago. Yeah, like, maybe. Like, early 2000s. Okay, okay. 
Anyway, we're not yeah, talking about Monster House tonight. <laughs> we're talking about the Amityville Horror House. And um, we have a lot of information to cover here. Uh, we want to go through kind of the background of the house itself and what happened there um, and really just cover some pretty serious stuff. We tried to like sway toward the, the comedy and stuff on this podcast and we don't want to make light of some of the horrific things that happened here, um, but we will be making jokes. So just a fair warning uh, if I it does happen. Should we do like a kind of like almost like a trigger warning also, just because there are like serious things and yes, it's a coping. Nah. The, the comedy is a coping mechanism. <laughs> Hit him with murder. Um, <laughs> no. So no matter your views on the paranormal, there will be death in this episode yes. that happened yes. for, for real. So yes. Be prepared. No matter whether you believe in some things or don't like ghosts, um, some very real murder happens. All right, William, it looks like you did um, quite a bit of research as far as like the house and the murders go. Did you want to, did you want to uh, sure, go yeah. head into that? Yeah. We'll probably be um, interrupting you with facts and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just start with, with the original story and why this house is, is, uh, relevant at all um so there was a family that lived in this house uh in which is in long island new york um if you want to know the actual address it's written here 112 ocean avenue m m m long island new york um, <laughs> if you can't uh, tell i cannot pronounce the name of this house without stuttering so i'm just gonna move right past it um so it is a Dutch colonial style house. I don't know who wrote this on here. I didn't it's do that me. much research on it. Oh, <laughs> the, cool, arch- cool, cool, cool. the architecture so, lover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Any real so specific a sign- stuff about the house in general, like the yeah. look of it is going to be from Abby. I'll let, the, I'll let Abby go over that last portion later. Anyway, so um, what happened here is a family uh, by the last name DeFeo, which I thought it was DeFoe at first. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> I think it's actually pronounced DeFeo. no connection. Yeah, no connection to uh, Will Willem Dafoe, but Dafeo apparently. So anyway, so the Dafeo family lived here um, in the early seventies. So on November thirteenth, nineteen seventy four, their son Ronald Dafeo um, allegedly killed his father, mother, two sisters, and two brothers on that night. Um, Dafeo used a rifle without any sort of so. In this next part, will come into play later without any sort of silencer on them. And all six victims were found in their beds, which is strange because somehow all six people stayed asleep through the entire thing um, while he shot the entire family. So six people died. Um, there were no signs of struggle, no signs of, of foul, obviously not foul play. Um, There's no, no signs of struggle, basically, which again was Lots weird. Lots of because, signs uh, of foul play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we just had to look at the scene. Very, very odd just because... Uh, they were in separate bedrooms, so six shots going off. You would think that some of them heard it. Some of them would have tried to figure out what was going on, but it seems as if that didn't happen. Um, Ronald got ready the next morning. He went to work and told the police about the murders, and he claimed the mafia made him do it. Um, so basically, he claimed that the mafia came to his house, held a gun to his head, and made him kill his family, um, which right off the bat sounded really weird. But in the end, he kind of cracked after they interrogated him a little bit more and he confessed to doing it all by himself. Um, his lawyer, Donald, Donald Weber, made him uh, make an insanity defense, an insanity defense. But 
after examination from a psychiatrist, uh, that argument didn't hold up. So it was basically they were left with Ronald killed his entire family and they didn't know why. Um, Ronald said he was not insane when he did an interview in the uh, late 90s. He said he just didn't feel that killing his family was wrong. Um, and now Otherwise he's serving. <laughs> yes. He was serving six consecutive life sentences until his death in March 16th, 2021. So um, that's a little bit of the background of the killings. Uh, there's a few reasons why this is weird. <clears throat> um, again, there were no signs of struggle, which is very odd. Uh, none of the neighbors heard any of these shots or reported anything like this, which if we're talking about paranormal, that doesn't necessarily make it paranormal or anything like that. It's just odd. The circumstances themselves were odd. Um, from my understanding, there was a problem with with Ronald. It, it seemed as if though he did have an alcohol or drug addiction. Um, but to go from an alcohol or drug addiction to killing every single member of your family is very odd. And we'll get into later. Uh, him and his problem, his father had a little bit of a problem. Uh, it, supposedly, Ronald Sr. was a little bit of an abusive father. Um, <clears throat> people said that he was often demeaning um, and demanding of his children. But killing your entire family doesn't necessarily add up to having a problem with your father and only your father. So just a few weird things about this. Um, some more background about the family. Uh, Ronald Jr., the man who murdered everybody worked at his family's mechanic shop, but he often skipped work to go to the bar, which <clears throat> given, you know, how everyone described him, that didn't seem anything out of the usual. Like I said, he was addicted to alcohol and drugs, um, and they think this is what ultimately caused him to snap, according to the testimonies that they had in court. Um, there's also a theory that there was a second murderer there, which would explain how uh, maybe it was done quicker without everybody waking up, but no one was ever found or charged with that, so that's just kind of speculation. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a little bit about the, uh, the murder house and how it became known as the murder house. You know, you were saying that they thought maybe he was with the mafia mm -hmm. and that it was like somehow related to organized crime. So interestingly enough, um, Louise DeFeo, um, her name, her name previously before she got married was Louise Brigante, who was an associate of the Gambino crime family. Ooh. Huh. Yeah. Oh, so she herself was or the family? Her dad was. Um, uh -huh. He was an associate. So, like, <gasps> it's not completely out of the range that that could be some connection, but I thought that was really interesting. Um, the only thing that they say, which I don't know, I don't know where they found these codes, but apparently it's the Italian code or the code of the Italian mafia states that you can't kill children. Um. Oh. So kind of rule that out then. Yeah, kind of. Um, but I also would like to find out what the codes to the Italian mafia are because I think that sounds really interesting. Um, and then in a we second, got only one code, <laughs> no kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, in a an interview, um, on I read this article, um, that was written by Jaime Lorette for a magazine called El País. And she was um, reading the, a book written by um, this man named Rick Osuna, who uh, the book is called The Night the DeFeos Died, Reinvestigating the Amityville Murders. And he basically insinuates that the 18-year-old sister Dawn was the one who shot and killed the kids and that Ronald DeFeo 
Jr. was the one who killed the parents because they f- they found like a few different things. Um, they laid out an event of the night before that took like that took place before they were murdered. And this Ronald DeFeo Sr. got in like a really bad argument and hit his wife, like a bunch of his kids, like even the nine year old had like a bloody face by the time he was done with it. And so more or less, Dawn was really wanting to get out of there. She was 18 years old. They had told her no, that she couldn't leave. And so she was more or less just mad and done with the whole situation. So they are thinking that Dawn was the one who actually was like, hey, why don't we kill our family, like kill the parents, and then we can be free? And then they say that basically that Ronald did that, but then he didn't know that Dawn was in killing the kids too. And so when he found out that Dawn had killed the kids, he murdered her. Yeah, there's actually a couple of different reports that say that Ronald Jr., the murderer, supposed murderer, um, changed his story a few times. And one of those stories was that Dawn was the actual killer. And then after he killed the parents, she killed the kids, he killed her. And but it's changed so many times, like the mafia story and then the Don story. And then he eventually admitted to just doing it all himself. It is very weird that that, that is a, a theory. Well, I feel like, too, it doesn't make se- like the whole idea in general that it was just him doesn't make any sense. Like, how are you going to yeah. kill that many people and no one is going to hear it? Like, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. Yeah. And the fact that he used it's a. It's a 35 Marlin rifle was used in the murders. And if you guys Google that, it's a high powered lever action rifle. Think like Old West style hunting rifle. And it's not a small bullet and it's not a small gun. And the fact that there were so many gunshots, no silencer to be found, and forensic evidence suggested that there was no silencer on the gun, it's really hard to believe that. No neighbors heard anything, and even harder to believe that it could have been done uh, quiet enough that nobody else in the house woke up and tried to stop it or even struggled. Yeah. So, in in y'all's research, is there any motive put to why the second oldest, Dawn, would have killed the other three children, Allison, Mark, and Matthew? While oh, why her they killed brother the kids. was killing the parents, yeah, I mean, if that wasn't the plan, and then the older brother killed her, and I mean the kids well, weren't abusing there, her; it was the dad. Was there two guns? So there is speculation. There's only one instance I could see, and it was a documentary that was made years later, where um, a documentary filmmaker hired a forensics team and they dredged up a uh, a pistol in behind the house like um in like a river or a ditch somewhere i think it was where they may have found a pistol a lot of people assume that that is made up though um for the documentary and i couldn't find any like really hard evidence suggests that that pistol that they found was used in the murder plus the pistol would not shoot the same caliber bullet that that rifle would so it wouldn't really make any sense eagle yeah, yeah, it would have to be a very large rifle. pistol. 
Yeah, right. So like it's it's very weird that that's even even a theory because you would think with the forensic evidence and the police investigation, they would have been like, oh, yeah, there was obviously two guns based on the size of the bullet holes or anything like that that were that were used on these bodies. It's so there's no really hard evidence to suggest that there was a second gun. But and yeah, it's, it's weird. The motivation to kill. Yeah, it's like the motivations to kill the little the little kids. It makes zero sense unless it was just like if it was a mafia hit and they were getting rid of witnesses or if they he really just did go insane or if another claim that he made was that voices in his head were telling him to do this and that he was possessed or haunted by these voices. What does make me think in insanity case here is the fact that he did just get up the next morning and go to work as if nothing happened. And that seems to be a trend with people who, if, if not insane, more so, uh, you know, just psychopath or sociopath tendencies there. Like to just, because he, he claimed that at the end that nobody made him do it and that it was all himself. He just didn't feel like it was wrong. Now, why he killed the children again, I don't understand that. Um, admit that makes zero sense to me. But the fact that he did get up and just acted like nothing happened and just carried along his day like he didn't actually report it. He didn't report it. I don't think it was the same day. I think it was a few days later that he actually told people or told the police about it. Um, but just the fact that he got up and went to work the next morning. Um, after murdering his entire family makes me think that it was more so, um, again, if not insane, just the, the sociopathic tendencies there, um, which would go along with his his interview in the 90s about how he just didn't feel like it was wrong. But yeah. it doesn't make the murders any less odd. Or maybe maybe the article that I was reading was wrong, but I pulled it up. And it was saying that he, well, uh, Defoe Jr. was at a bar that night kept calling home and complaining to the people that no one was answering left and then returned six 30 in the morning the next day to the bar yelling for help. I think my mother and father are shot. Yeah. I also saw something similar where he, he ran to the bar and reported to the police that there was an intruder. Right. Killed so, his parents. Why would you, one, why would you run to a bar to tell the cops instead of like using the phone and calling 911? I mean, this was the 70s. It's, it's yeah. not like the police weren't around and a phone call away. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff about this. And I think something Jackson said earlier about the fact that he changed his story like at yeah. least five times just in the, the ones that I have seen of his different reasons that he went through. Uh, while being questioned, I I feel like the reliability of this mass murderer <laughs> and what he was saying is so beyond gone that it's hard to take anything he says at face value. Yeah, the, the I think something we can all agree on, and what the store every story that has been written, an article that's been written about this, can agree on is that Ronnie definitely did it. Now. Whether or not he did it alone, that is kind of yet to be seen. And the, all the evidence points to there's no way he could have done this without someone knowing. And the, even the way that the bodies were arranged, um, it, it suggested that 
not only did nobody hear it, but that he might have moved the bodies because they were all face down in their own beds as well. Did anybody actually do like toxicology reports to see if they had been drugged? Because that was the only other way I could think that nobody would get up Mm. is if they were all drugged and nobody knew. So police reports and toxicology reports um, reported no kind of um, like a tranquilizer or sleeping pills or anything. There, there was nothing. Now, suspicious. I do wonder. I'm just going off the top of my head here, but I don't think that. Uh, oh shoot! What's the drug called that's the the put in your drink and then you eventually Roofie. pass out? What'd you say? They're called roofies. Yeah, Roofie. yeah, yeah. I think I, I think f- that's the for them i don't really think that's it i think in the 80s that wasn't something they could get on toxicology reports like they would it wouldn't be picked oh. up i think hmm. so that's possible. this was in the 70s so i'm assuming yeah, if somebody wants to that ability in the past see if they can find that really quick that would be cool i'm looking um now. so just right off the bat um roofies were patented in 1962 and didn't even become available until 1974 so that was the year that the murders happened interesting so, he was also addicted to drugs and alcohol so he would have been on a scene on the scene where he probably could have had access to like a new drug so it, it might be that both are true that he had access to something like that and that it would not show up on toxicology reports because it was so new because they maybe they didn't test for it that is a solid theory. I actually have not seen that specific theory on anything that I've researched in this either. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I didn't so, see it anywhere. It just occurred to me while we were talking, honestly. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. So after this happens, uh, and by the way, he was obviously convicted. He served, he was convicted and served six consecutive life sentences and actually just died um last year. last year in prison so he uh he never saw the outside of prison after that thankfully uh whether he was insane or not which i think they had a couple of um psychologists both for the defense uh for him and for the prosecution both analyze him and the defense really went with the insane deal for, for a while and then the prosecution's psychiatrist said that he was insane but a different kind of insane uh, the defendants, the defendants psychiatrist basically said, oh, yeah, he would not have known what he was doing. It would have been more like an out of body experience. and He was watching himself do this, whereas the prosecution said, no, he has a different type of personality disorder and he knew exactly what he was doing. So that, you know, that was part of the trial. So that was definitely back and forth them trying to either keep him out of prison or put him in prison. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt, but we can, I'm sure we can agree that he definitely had some issues. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Okay. So this is where it starts getting weird. Um, so the Lutz family, uh, were looking for a house, um, about a year later and they came across the house that we're talking about. Um, and <laughs> what's it called? They, I, yeah, no, um, <laughs> They had a budget, and this house was well over their budget, but for some reason they were just particularly drawn to this house. Um, They knew about the murders when they decided to buy this house, but they decided that it didn't really matter. 
um, and they moved in anyway. So uh, a little bit of background on the family. Uh, the father or the husband or whatever, his name was George Lutz. And George Lutz was a, um, a businessman. Um, he was, you know, known around the community. He was, you know, involved in a lot of things. Uh, but when he moved into the house, uh, it said people say that he changed and he was more sluggish and cranky. And it was almost an instantaneous thing as the family didn't even live there very long. Um, George Lutz would reportedly wake up every single night at 315, which happens to also be the time um, around where they think the murders took place. So that's a little odd. Um, <clears throat> one night when George was outside in his front yard, uh, he looked into his daughter's window upstairs and he said that he saw a pig's face behind her with red eyes. And he went into the room to investigate and she was sound asleep. Um, their daughter, Missy, also started talking about her pig friend named Jody. Um, so these were separate instances. So uh, the father saw what he thought was a pig in the window, and then his daughter starts talking about a her pig friend. So that's really weird. Um, another odd thing was that George, he said every once in a while he would look at his wife and it would seem like she would almost instantaneously age to an old age. Um, and that's just he insulting. said this happened. Yeah, this <laughs> This happened multiple times, and it, it, it was almost as if she just, like, aged before his eyes. Uh, but her mother also shared the same experience, so she also documented her experience with that as well. Um, they said that there was green, green slime oozing from the walls. Um, there would be flies that would fill the house in wintertime, which, you know, if you're in a place with flies, um, they're normally not around a whole lot during the wintertime. But they said that the house would just be filled with flies for no reason. Um, this is the word hoof prints that were just found outside the house randomly. Now, these I, I have to say, like, these are odd things. Did they also um, find a pitchfork print? <laughs> hoof. And some <laughs> horns. Oh, hoof. Hoof. Hoof prints. Um, these, these are odd things that really don't make any sort of connection in my mind to, like, the murders. Um, but it's still odd things they said that they saw. Uh, also, they were in, like, a suburban neighborhood. So hoof prints outside the house is a little weird. Um, George said he also found a red room, which was downstairs in the basement, and it was not on the house's original blueprint. The walls were painted red. He said when he walked in the room, it was like an instantaneous eerie feeling um, as if, you know, something was not right there. Uh, he said his dog, he tried to, I think they tried to make it like a dog house or whatever, like a dog room. He said his dog wouldn't even walk inside the room. Um, That's he said when you know he, it's bad. Yeah, he said he'd never seen his dog cower before. Um, but the dog was cowering and he could not get the dog to go into the room. Uh, one night, George said he reported hearing a band playing downstairs. Um, obviously, he got up and went to go check it out because that's odd. Uh, he said, but no one was there. And the rug was rolled up and the furniture was moved as if people were making space for dancing. They asked a priest to come look at it. And here's where the, the stories kind of get dicey. There's two movie versions of this. One of them is Ryan Reynolds. Um, the other one was made... Uh, Earlier in the the twentieth century, or later in the twentieth century, I don't know exactly. Ryan when. Reynolds is in the um, two thousand five one. Uh huh. Yeah, he's the dad in it. That. Yeah, he plays uh, George yeah, Lutz. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen that movie? I have no. not. No. I think okay. I have, but it's been a very long time. That that movie is terrifying. <laughs> like I, you're talking about these things, and I'm seeing scenes from this movie in my like <laughs> flashback in my head, and I'm getting creeped out just by that movie. Like. Forewarning. It's spooky. So, okay. Yeah. So they, they hired a priest or I don't know hired, but they got a priest to come basically check out the house because they were freaked out. Um, and this again, this is where the stories get a little odd. The official reports is that the priest says 
that he just kept getting sick and he would get all these different illnesses when he came and visited the house. The movie versions portrayed a little bit differently. Um, they show the priest going blind. Um, I, I don't remember what the earlier the film shows it as. I think it's something similar, though. Um, so that's not necessarily what happened. Um, it, the priest just said that he kept getting really sick every time he would come into the house. Um, and the priest's testimony is actually what caused the author of the book to write the book. That's what he said made him believe everything that was happening because the priest himself confirmed these things and confirmed like the odd things happening. So fast forward, this is just 28 days after they moved into the house. I don't know if this report is what actually happened on the last night or if it was just one of the ones that happened during it. Um, it was kind of grouped off when it talked about the last night. So I'm assuming this is it. Um, but it said, you know, one night, George heard his children's beds slamming up and down on the floor, but claimed he couldn't do anything about it because an invisible force was paralyzing him. Um, the next day, so I, I think that was the last thing that happened that kind of drove him over the edge. It says the next day, the family packed their bags and left. Um, they left the majority of their belongings, which were later auctioned off. So that is an odd thing. Like they didn't even want to go back to get their stuff. So something had to have really scared them that last night. If it, if it was this, I can see why that would be scary. Um, if, even if it was something else that they just didn't want to talk about, but they, they left most of their stuff and never came back for it. So it was just auctioned off next time the house was sold. So, um, that is the Lutz family and then their experiences in that house. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting that they were only there for less than a month. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that until I started researching this and then I saw the 28 days statistic or fact. And I was like, Hmm. It's yeah. And the fact that you said this house was over budget, mm -hmm. they knew about the murders and yet decided to buy this house anyway. And then just up and left them less than a month later and left all of their belongings. Yeah. Almost seems, I mean, unless he was very, very wealthy, which it doesn't seem like he was if, if, if the house that they bought was over their budget anyway. Seems to lead lend like a little bit of credence their way, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking too. I think we're getting into later about how you know it, it's possible there could have been a motivation for money behind this, but the fact that they weren't offered a book deal or anything sort of like that until after the fact doesn't change the fact that they bought a house like you said way over budget and just left all their stuff twenty eight days later. That even if you were thinking about doing that, if you were making a lot of these stories up. Or even, you know, is it possible that they kind of like made these stories sound slightly crazier than what they were? Yeah. But it still doesn't change the fact that they moved out of their house, left everything there 28 days after moving in. So something had to have been going on. And, and like you said, that that makes me believe at least some of it, at least believe that there was some strange stuff going on because you wouldn't just do that. Like you said, unless you just had an influx of, you know, disposable income, which not many people had back then. Um, it just, it's very odd. It, it doesn't make any sense why somebody would do that for the motivation that people think they had, at least not just, at the time. I just find it strange that their stuff was auctioned off. I didn't know that mm -hmm. aspect of it. So, I mean, like, why would you, why would you leave all your stuff like that and not exactly. come back and get it? Like there, there's a reason yeah, or at least have somebody else come back and get it. Yeah, <laughs> like even if you yeah. hired a company to come do it, like that's a lot of stuff that they just left. Yeah, from, from what I understood, they literally packed their bags to go like on a trip and just left everything else behind. 
because they got out in less than a day. So they, they couldn't have brought a whole lot with them. Um, yeah. So it is a very odd circumstance, which again, if they had been, if they had told somebody about this while they lived in the house and they had talked about writing a book about it while they were in the house, I could see more of that being a reason because, oh, if you're promised money, if you know, you know, someone's going to write a book and someone might want to make a movie about it and you're like, OK, well, if I do this, I'm you know, it's a it's an investment per se, like I will get my money back for leaving all this. But this happened after the fact. So they had no promise of money. They had no promise of a movie deal or a book deal or anything like that. Um, They just they just left their house. So very weird. David, did you have some? Uh, yeah, I was just while he was talking, I was looking into the uh, roofie thing a little more, and I I still couldn't find a date. But I mean, as recent as there are articles from like BuzzFeed and stuff like that that as recent as 2019, actually, some states didn't have uh, rohypnol, which is the Rahip. drug name, uh, not the street name, but rohypnol on their basic drug panel for crimes. Uh, some do, some don't, but I looked further into it. It looks like rehypnol wasn't even illegal in the United States until 1983. Uh, I mean, not illegal. It was made a schedule four drug, meaning it had a prescription then. That's what I mean. Not it's silly right. to take it all. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, that was, yeah, that was that's it. interesting. Yeah, so that definitely also, could be uh, could be what happened. Sorry, side note. I also found um, about going back to the house and the haunting that Ed and Lorraine Warren went to the house too, which I find very interesting because they're, I don't know, I feel like they only go for serious cases. Who are we and talking about? So Ed and Lorraine Warren are... Um, demonologists <laughs> um <laughs> basically they're like not they're the just experts in paranormal yeah. things are they, yes. are they the couple that that series of movies is fictionally yes. following oh really the conjuring yeah, yes. yeah, yeah yeah so they're actually a really interesting couple and honestly that might make a whole cool other podcast episode is just doing them because i think they are so interesting and i don't know i th i think for them to go and actually like be there and have these experiences. I just, I think it's really interesting. Like I don't, they're not called there for no reason. When do you know when they went? They went in, um, 1975. Oh, um, so this was while the Lutz owned the house. Yes. It was while or they were closely there. thereafter or something like that. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yes. So something else though is there's also another, paranormal investigator uh husband and wife team that went there and talked to george directly um while it was all happening um the kaplans so the kaplans agreed to investigate and george asked them not to speak to the media about it so i don't know if they went at the same time as ed and lorraine warren um i know one of the more famous photos from this house are from Ed and Lorraine Warren, where you can actually see what some people think is like a little boy in a doorway, like peeking out. I don't know if you saw that in your research. Um, it's a pretty famous photo. Most people, if you've ever been looking for paranormal photos, have probably seen this photo. A lot of people thinks it, think it has been debunked. 
it is not like super clear, but there are like there's definitely like a head and like some eyes in the photo that some people think might have been one of the crew that was with them accidentally, like just got in the way. Um, and some other. Oh, people, is this the staircase picture? Yeah, where it's the it's a picture of the staircase hallway. And then in one of the rooms on the left, there's like a little boy or something peeking its head out. So that that that's interesting that they caught something, whether or not it has been debunked or not. Um, but I don't these, like that. Yeah, it's really weird. It's a creepy picture. But the it's a very creepy picture, but it's like, I mean, at least the picture that I'm looking at that shows the boy, it's very significant. Like you couldn't argue this wasn't a little oh, yeah. boy kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Other ones, it's not nearly that significant. Like, so I'm, I'm not sure what the original is, <laughs> if it's been played down by skeptics or played up. I mean, I'm sure it's been both, but I mean, the pictures I'm looking at. I can't tell if the picture is played up or played down. <laughs> and the interesting thing about the Warrens is they they looked at the land too, and not only just the house. Like even before the Lutzes lived there, and before the DeFeos lived there, they looked at the land and found some like kind of weird stuff there too. Um, on you know just different things that had taken place like on the land specifically that would give cause to not a supernatural happenings. Hmm. Yeah. And the Kaplans, this other investigative team that went, um, was asked, supposedly asked specifically by George to not say anything to the media and then immediately went to a newspaper um, and told them about the house and told them about the happenings. And George confronted them. And basically, the Kaplans gained more than the Lutzes did as far as financial gain when it comes to this house. Um, they actually have written books and appeared in several documentaries um, about this and other hauntings. So that's something to keep in mind as well. I, I have a question, though. Is, is it just hearsay that, or, or not hearsay, is it just George? I mean, no one else backing up that he supposedly told them not to go tell anyone? Yeah, as far as I could see, the only. Um, I don't know if they corroborated that story that like, oh, George just told us not to tell or tell anybody, but we went to, but, the you know, this is too good, anyway. so we don't care. Right. Um, I didn't see anything like that. So as far as I know, George is the only one that has claimed, hey, I told them not to do this. OK, are these pictures? So, so I'm still looking at this hallway picture of the little kid because it's really creepy. I mean, it's kind of freaking me out, honestly, just the picture. I mean, not if it's real <laughs> it's or not. Very the kid scary. is just terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> this picture. Yeah. I'm seeing pictures of another little kid that's like a color picture some on some of these like spliced onto it. Are those pictures of the the little boy, the nine-year-old boy who died in the 70s? Yes. I mean, because we had color photos then that's very realistic. Yes, yeah, supposedly that little boy has is the nine-year-old, um, the son or the brother of Ronnie, the, the brother of Ronnie Jr. Yeah, whatever his name was. Uh, DeFeo. So. And again, it's like, oh, there's a little boy. He looks like he's about nine John years Matthew. old. Yeah, he could be John Matthew's age. Maybe it's John Matthew in the photo. So maybe reaching. But I, I do think it's interesting that that is the only thing that was captured or claimed that has anything to do with the murders that happened in the house. Like we talked about the green slime. We talked about flies. We talked about a pig person. Like why, if you're going to make up these weird stories of hauntings, 
you know, beds levitating. Why, why wouldn't you be like, oh yeah, I saw a guy, a ghost with a gun running through the house. You know what I mean? Like it had nothing to do with the murders. Why make up these very weird and random happenings? And I think it's interesting too, that the, the pig girl's name is Jody, and that's none of the DeFeo kids. Mm-mm. Yeah. The pig. I'm confused. How did, why does the pig girl have a name? Because the because, little, the daughter said, yeah. "That's my pig friend Jody." Oh, like the oh, daughter oh. claimed that was like her imaginary or her friend. That Unless was a pig. she named her, but I feel like. I guess right. I, when Kids I read that, that, I had assumed that the dad saw his daughter standing in the window with a pig head, and then when he talked to her, she was like, "Yeah, Jody, my pig friend." I mean, meaning that like. From George's perspective, this spirit that manifests as a pig kind of took her body over. And so to her, to the daughter, it's a pig. But to dad, it was his daughter with a pig head. That, I guess that's what I was thinking. Oh, does that no, make sense? I think the re- yeah, that does make sense. But I think the report was that he saw his daughter and then behind mm-hmm. her, yeah. it's like the head of a pig. Gotcha. With like red eyes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Also, a newly uh, found light about the... Lorraine Warren and Ed, Edward Warren going in here. Um, supposedly before she died, they asked Lorraine, you know, of all the cases that you've done, which is the scariest one you've ever had. And, and she said that the M. You got this. <laughs> said this one. Amityville. And Amid. Say Amity. Amity. Bill. Amityville. Amityville. Okay. Yeah, you got okay, it. I did it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Congratulations. Um, victory. The podcast she, can end now. <laughs> and she, she said that was the close that was as close to hell as I ever want to get. So she made wow. she said that up until the day she died that that was the scariest house or thing she's ever investigated. So I think that it, that does point to mention that there probably was something odd about this. And I think in if I'm not mistaken in the Conjuring movie um, they have this moment where, I mean, I know this is the movie, whatever, but they were talking about, they were talking about, um, because it's based on another house and they were saying that, um, she had this other experience that like literally traumatized her. And I think that's what they were referring to in that movie was the Amityville house. Hmm. Oh, really? Probably, yeah. Probably setting yes. up another movie. Yes. A prequel. I, a prequel. <laughs> I actually think they did one on Amityville House. With, with uh, I'm gonna double check Vera that. Farmiga or whatever, and mm-hmm. what's his face? Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. A oh, was prequel that, the... that was on like, but Annabelle is that her name? The weird puppet. Yeah, there was. Annabelle. And that was also a prequel because she was in their home in The Conjuring. There was also that movie they did that took place in England, right? Yes. Yeah, that's um another. Uh, that one was creepy really crazy story um yeah man we just need to do ed and lorraine warren because they have i don't I mean, know that i can handle doing that one and still <laughs> sleep David, david's not I know, i'm impressed you're even very uncomfortable the conjure, <laughs> after watching the conjuring not months longer than that i couldn't be in a dark stair stairway <laughs> oh yeah my it's gosh. definitely not good like that is yeah that and is, it didn't help that like the year after that i lived with jackson and he would go around clapping <laughs> around corners at me all the time <laughs> oh i did that to you and abby so much after we saw this that <laughs> so movie is funny. the scariest movie i have ever seen like 
I love scary movies. They are my favorite genre. I just love watching them. And that movie, I mean, months and months and months of just being terrified because I kept. Because your husband's a monster. <laughs> no, I, we, we, uh, we actually had a friend in town. I think it was Harris, right? Did he go see that with us? I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think Harris went and saw that with us when we were living in Louisiana. And so he was staying at my apartment. And so Abby did not feel comfortable going back to her apartment. Yeah, we weren't by married herself. Yet. We weren't married yet. <laughs> and so she came uh, to our apartment and I slept in the recliner and Harris slept on the couch and Abby slept in my room because she didn't want to go back to her apartment. It's okay. <laughs> no. I ended up been okay going home alone after that movie. Either. It was, it was a scary <laughs> movie. Which movie was it? The, the Conjuring. Conjuring. The first oh. Absolutely not. Please. <laughs> Name a scarier movie, William. Um, honestly, Monster, Monster House. Monster House. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the most scared I've ever been by a movie is The Lady in the Water. And it's just because it's the first horror movie horror movie I ever saw when I was like seven. So the only scary part about that was the writing. Yikes. Hey, Got it em. scared me as a child. I, I, I saw it, I saw it with you and Abby. So much. You two I, took me to see that. Oh, did we? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It might Shyamalan. That is not his greatest piece of work. No. That's for sure. I haven't watched it since. So. Yeah. It was, it was, it was decently scary for sure. All right. I think we should start talking about maybe some suspicious stuff. What do you think, David? Some suspicious stuff? Like, yeah. yeah. Like why this might Bait. not be a yeah. thing or Read might from your David's fake. skepticism corner. <laughs> labeled it. Yes. For listeners who don't see our outline, I literally titled my section of the outline, David's skepticism corner. <laughs> As the resident skeptic. Really? <laughs> David's going really, next. you just need to say David's corner because we know what that's what it is. David's corner. There doesn't need to be a qualifier on what kind of corner it is, David. Um, so most of what I have in here, are just notes of the stuff that I read that then I have questions about. Uh, so the green slime that would ooze out of the walls and eyes peering into the house when no one was outside of it and vice versa. And like, so this happened in 1974, right? And there, I didn't even realize this when I wrote this, but there are photos of paranormal investigators coming and investigating this stuff. Like I know you couldn't pull out your phone and take a picture of stuff, but if this was happening all the time over 28 days, why did you not try to prove it? I mean, try to come up with some photo of any of this because I mean, green slime coming out of the walls would be pretty easy to prove if you had a picture, right? Or uh, even a, a, a Tupperware container. <laughs> yeah, that too. Take, yes. Green exactly. slime to go. Like there's green a lot of ways that you could prove this uh, or at least lend a much higher level of credence to the claims, in my opinion. Uh, another one that I've, I'll admit this is either very strong proof that this is real or it's too cute and coincidental for 
it, it to be real. It seems like something you would make up to try to prove the story, which is the fact that George was woke up at three fifteen in the morning every night, all twenty eight days they lived there. So he, he he woke up at exactly the moment that the murders happened. That's what makes it odd, David. Well, that's what I'm saying is it's <laughs> either yes, this hundred percent happened, or yeah, okay, you went too far making up this lie, but guess that's ridiculous that you woke up at that exact moment for 28 days in a row. I don't know. I I I think I believe that one. Yeah, that's something because I've had experiences where weird stuff has happened, and I would wake up at the exact same time and. I don't know. I, I, I believe I mean, that. for more than like a week. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah okay. for sure. Yeah. Also, normally the, I wake up, I wake up at the exact same time every single morning. So if like to the minute when I wake up naturally. So really? like the fact that somebody could make wake up at an exact time, if let's just say there was something weird happening at that time. That didn't that didn't um, that didn't make me think he made that up because I, I could see that as possible. The, the time is significant too, not only because it is the time that the murder, the murder supposedly happens, um, but 3 a.m. is supposedly called the witching. Well, it's not supposedly called. It is called the witching hour. Um, and that is <laughs> William's doing weird spirit fingers. Um, <laughs> That's jazz hands. Jazz hands, yeah. Uh, I thought spirit fingers was more appropriate for the story. Probably, yeah. um, <laughs> um, and the witching hour is uh, supposedly when the veil to the other world, to the other side, is the most thin. That's so awesome. that that could be that could be why not only why the murders happened maybe around that time if he did go insane at that time, but why he. George was also waking up around that time every night. It's around the time that my sleep paralysis happens normally. I was going to ask you about that because <laughs> well, part of <laughs> How the story. How do you know that? You, you don't I, record it. I can it. tell. I can. I'm awake though. Yeah. Can I'm, you, I'm not just paralyzed and I'm like, oh, well, it's over. I'm going to go back to sleep. Like I wake up. Oh, I didn't understand that. Yeah. No, like after my, after I'm. After you're around. freed and can yeah. move yourself, you, you wake I, up. Yeah, yeah I'm, you, you I'm, don't just like you're not like wide eyed awake and then paralyzed and, and then like, you just immediately well, go back to sleep. Yeah, no, that's not how that works. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, didn't think it was like boom, boom, but I, I, I did think you just <laughs> went just like, to sleep afterwards. Like, yes. like, oh, well, that was terrifying. Well, thank goodness <laughs> that's over. Boom. Back to sleep. I thought it was interesting. You were talking about George's experience when on the last night, maybe. Um, he was, it seemed like he was describing sleep paralysis where he saw his children's yeah. beds, uh, levitating or banging on the floor and he was awake, but really couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Did that sound pretty plausible? Yeah. I mean, not no, the bed yeah, that, banging thing maybe, but the, the fact that he couldn't do anything oh, about yeah. it, did it sound like sleep paralysis? Yeah. I mean, from experience with that, like, yeah, that the thought of not being able to move and seeing things happen around you. Uh, I can get behind that. I, you know, again, is it possible that he he's making some stuff up? Yeah, but that part specifically doesn't sound too far fetched. So the, the next thing I'll bring up 
is connected to that, that uh, one of George's sons, uh, Christopher, who I think is a stepson, I believe, because they have a different last name. Uh, but he was uh, seven at the time when they lived there. So, I mean, old enough to remember <laughs> and be able to view reality. Uh, and he, he, he said in an interview years later when he was an adult that, yes, there were strange things. He called them hauntings, but that the, the ooze and the, the eyes and the pig thing, none of that ever happened that it was, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened, but his dad had played things up because, uh, he was very theatrical. I think is the word he used. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He said he's a professional showman. Uh, that was, uh, the son's description of his stepfather, George. Uh, and it seems that his opinion, at least as he was the showman, because he, the family and specifically George is the patriarch of the family profited from the book sale deals, all that kind of stuff, telling the story he ended up making money off of, which he desperately needed at the time because they were in debt from buying the house that was too expensive. And then, you know, it, it sounds and like they had other it. debts as well uh, from some of the stuff I was reading, I couldn't find like specifically what they were, but, uh, it's everyone seemed to agree that the loots were severely in debt. Uh, my, so I've got two more things that I'm interested about. Uh, one, I, I mean, this is really the big one. And for time, I'll just keep it to this. There are three own different, owners since uh the Lutz. And as far as I could tell, none of them have ever said there's been anything weird that's happened at the house. Like nothing whatsoever. And if we're buying into the paranormal side, all of the the priests and these paranormal experts who came in were super freaked out by the house and didn't fix it and then leave like it's the next owners weren't the benefactors of the house being cleansed it just suddenly stops after 1975 when uh i think the house actually sits empty for a while but whatever year it was that the next owners bought it them and the two owners after them nothing there's never been an inkling of yeah weird stuff is going on yes i absolutely saw ooze come out of the walls or there was a pig in the window none of that so that's to me is a pretty big hole that for decades after it's just been nothing william to counter your counterpoint <laughs> a counter it is possible that if we were dealing with something paranormal that it was tied to an object and since everything in the house was auctioned off, it is possible that that object left the house. Therefore, it wouldn't have happened. Um, so the object was are... already there from when the Defoe's lived there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, because they, they say that when the Lutz bought it, all of the furniture was still mm-hmm. there yeah. from the Defoe's. Mm-hmm. I said Defoe's because you said Defoe's. 
<laughs> so it's possible Defeo, that, whatever. Defeo, yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> and that's not a that's not a crazy theory because uh the Warrens are like known for having their collection of you know cursed objects. So if it was something that was tied to an object and then everything in the house was auctioned off, it's possible that object left the house and just wasn't there anymore. So I like you still have to grab on to the oh it had to have been paranormal to to believe that theory but if you do think that something weird was going on that could be a possible explanation for that i think that there are if you are going to go with paranormal as well i think that sometimes paranormal things can happen and people are not open to that idea that that's what it is or maybe they they themselves are not open to paranormal like feelings and things like that so they're not going to see things that happen as paranormal does that that make sense like i think in some ways some people aren't going to notice things to be paranormal that maybe are i like that you said does that make sense and all three of us nodded on a podcast yes that was (laughs) very useful to the listeners after i could see that but if the things that were happening were so terrifying that it you know from the way it's been described and like if you like what lorraine warren said like if it was that terrifying and it was like that awful i hide like i i don't see someone just not seeing that yeah i'm sorry that kid's face pops out of that doorway and i'm in the house with it there's no way i'm just like yeah that didn't happen (laughs) and especially like even even if someone's not open to seeing things like that if somebody was ever like hey you live in this house that this happened previously. Can you think of anything that might have happened that was strange? Like, even if you don't think about it at the time, like if you were to think back and and try to think of anything odd that's happened to that extent, I, I find it hard to believe that you wouldn't be able to think something yeah, or think true. of at least one thing. So I, I didn't realize or had forgotten if I read it that the DeFeo's furniture and stuff was all left in the house. Like, I guess the police just left it as a crime scene. And then that's why the Lutz got such a good deal on it. Uh, but if that that's true, it makes a little more sense that they just left all of their stuff in the house when they left too, though. So mm-hmm. they were, I don't well, have anything to do with all so- this stuff that we found in here. I just want out. It's a little different when you're murdered and then different when you leave. Like Ronnie was taken to prison. No, but none of his family was there. It makes sense that they left it there because they'd only had it for 28 days and it wasn't theirs before they moved in anyway. Okay. Yeah. yeah, That's what I meant. I gotcha. Makes more sense. I I don't know that because it wasn't theirs to begin with. Right. Yeah. 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 They did get, um, I think it was like, what I read was like a $400 extra that they paid to just keep the furniture in there. Now that's just furniture though. Like that's not all of their stuff. All of their stuff wasn't furniture. So I do see what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like they left everything else besides the clothes they had on their back and went to their, I think they went to her mother's house and then just never returned. So to the, the point of maybe it was a magical item different spin on that maybe it was a magical, a magical item yeah a magical couch <laughs> or it was a magical number because or a cursed number rather not magical that was uh, <laughs> expound 
Yeah. It was a, a cursed number because the very next owners, uh, James and Barbara, uh, chromatory. I don't know if that's how you say their last name, but anyway, they bought it and immediately changed the address from, uh, 112 ocean avenue to 108 and it's been 108 ever since and them and i was wrong it's not three there's four owners including them since and none of them i've seen anything so you know maybe it was just the number 12 112 was what was haunted i mean i would have expected it to be 666 or something instead well at this point the house has been a murder house and a major paranormal hotspot. So, I mean, if I were moving into some new house, I wouldn't want, do you know how many people probably go up to that house trying to get in and look inside? Oh, yeah. Tons of people. Like, I can't imagine that they would keep that number the same. So people keep coming. Oh, yeah. That that makes total sense. I just meant, you know, that change also coincided with the stuff not happening anymore is what I was intending to convey. Now that everybody knows the new address, y'all can all go visit it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, supposedly during um, Hall- like on Halloween, it's a huge gathering point for people. And oh, that people would drive would me crazy. Just go stand I would in front of the house. Yeah. So about the Cromartys or however you say their last name, Barbara and Jim, um, the owners directly after uh, in 1979, right after they bought the house, even though they keep to the fact that they have never seen anything or heard anything, and then it was a hoax, they did actually hire a paranormal expert his name was peter jordan to investigate the home um and he brought a medium named ron margritty and ron picked up on a high energy throughout the home he believed someone at one point had practiced black magic in the house and after that point uh, barbara was questions uh, about this in an interview in 2015 and she had no comments on that matter of course why would you bring in a a paranormal investigator to my, even investigate that exactly house. yes that's what i'm saying you wouldn't do that if you didn't have some reason to I think that like there's something in your house they just did not want the publicity whatsoever well and that could be it could also be that the house was never haunted it had really bad murder there and then when the george lutz bought it because it was something else his son said that i forgot to mention was that his dad was really interested in a cult and had been trying to summon and talk to spirits. And so mm-hmm. it could have been all George Lutz. I mean, even if it was paranormal, like it just, he was drawn to the house because of the murders and he thought there was potential there. And then he summoned something which would line up with whatever this medium guy said. Yeah. That's kind of where I was going with that is that George was reported to um, be obsessed with the occult and maybe this person that practiced quote unquote black magic inside the house was George Lutz himself. And he was trying to summon or maybe did summon something weird. Uh, and thus all the happenings. The last thing I will say in defense of um, <clears throat> David's uh, skepticism corner is that the Lutz's former lawyer, William Weber, uh, who did actually fall out with them over money issues, uh, came out in 1979 and claimed that the three of them, uh, George and his wife and William, came up with the horror story over many bottles of wine. So he did have a grudge against the Lutz because of money issues, um, but he also claims that they all made it up together. 
Yep. Thoughts? What do we think? Real? Fake? Think they did it for the money? A lot of things make me think they faked it until Abby brought up that the Warrens were there. And I'm like, well, I'm like, dang, that's kind of hard to refute. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Some people really don't think the Warrens were legit. Yeah, no, they might not have been. I think if anybody in that paranormal investigative world is going to be legit, it probably would be Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because of the years and years they put into it and the physical evidence as far as like objects that they claimed were cursed um that they had in their own home crazy it's yeah i mean if you're if you're gonna believe anybody it would be ed yeah. and warren and that's that's the thing it's like if if you're gonna believe this is paranormal you can't just say oh well, i believe in some paranormal things but i believe in other ones if you're gonna say it's paranormal you just gotta openly accept it and if you're gonna openly accept it these are probably like you said the people that you're gonna accept so if we're going that route, that if it was paranormal, if if we're even saying that's an option and they were there to back it up and to say that, yeah, that stuff happened, then I kind of got to believe it just based off of that alone. I, I That's I think, a game changer because I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I do think that maybe some stuff was happening. I don't think that everything that they said was legit. I definitely think he made stuff up. Um especially after the fact, knowing Mm -hmm. that he could make a lot of money doing it. Um, But I do, I do think something's happened. Yeah. Like out of all of the things I, I I think the three fifteen is what I believe the most. Yeah. I believe that I believe the, the beds like shaking up and down and he can Mm -hmm. move. Like there's, there are a few things in there that I'm like, okay, that, that could have actually happened. The slime on the wall. A little odd. The dog not wanting to go in the room downstairs. I believe that. I could. I could see that happening because that's a strange thing. To that's make up. that's one I had questions about. That yeah, I, would I actually forgot like to, to bring up. Like it's a ha- like it's a room that wasn't about on that the room. blueprint. Well, yeah. yeah. What was the room? When it was just. Is a, it still there? I mean, what? <laughs> what? What was? What was with this? So, so supposedly the room. It's. It's a very small room at the basement of the house, and it, they said that two people could very um, snuggishly fit in there. So it was a very small room. So not like a, leads, not like a bedroom. No, room. not like a bedroom. It was just a very small like closet space almost, which could have been where he pla- practiced black magic. Just saying. Um, okay, so this sounds was like, like a black magic threw room up to me. Some drywall or plaster or something inside the basement that already existed on the house. It wasn't like someone added on a room to the house that hadn't existed before. Possibly. See, that, to me, it sounds more like what David's saying, like in the basements, you know, like sometimes basements are made out of cinder blocks in that area. It definitely would be probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you turn a corner and then there's a, a section that's like maybe meant for storage. For some reason, it's painted red, something like that. I'm a firm believer in trust your pets. Yeah. I'm, and if I'm your dog is not going too. in there, <laughs> but that, that's a sign. My friend don't go they, in there. They got that sixth sense. They do. They can sniff them. <laughs> they see things we don't see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, things we don't smell. I actually just looked it up and I found a picture of a woman sta- uh, squatting or sitting in the quote unquote red room. And it, it is. It's one wall that looks like it's been painted red and it's cinder blocks. And it's like a very rudimentary storage area in the corner of the basement. 
I don't like that. That's creepy. It is creepy. Don't get me wrong, but it's not. It's literally just a storage room that somebody painted. Ah, well, still fact that no dog would go in there. But why would you paint one wall red? Why would you paint a storage room wall? He painted four walls red side, back, top. (laughs) It's also very uh, the pictures that I'm seeing. The the red paint is just peeling like insane amounts. And so it looks like it's just a blood splatter. It was very, very strange. Yikes. Yeah, I'm I'm team uh, probably was not as paranormal as George was making it out to be. Yeah, um, I do think some weird stuff probably happened in that room. If not, if if only for the fact that some really gruesome murders happened in that house and it might have um, been housing some residual bad energy um i i think that stuff like that can definitely affect like the environment in a way that can even if it doesn't manifest physically can manifest mentally um and weigh on people just knowing that information so i think some stuff was probably definitely happening just maybe not to the extent that george said so yeah, I agree with that. I think we're exactly on the same page there. Yeah, so mostly based on the stepson, George's stepson's uh, account later. He was a, a seven-year-old, so I mean, he could understand whether stuff was or wasn't going on. However, I mean, he's still elementary school age. Right, still I, pretty young. Yeah, he's very... Uh, you can influence them very easily. His dad was into the occult. It would not surprise me at all if he knew and had brought up the murders. Uh, it doesn't seem like by what I was reading that this was, you know, father of the year, uh, yeah. stepfather of the year, actually. Um, so I, I'm team. I don't think anything occult happened. And the stepson is remembering things and the feeling that he got that was placed there by his dad because his dad was doing weird, creepy stuff all the time. And then it's very possible. Like waking up at three and shaking their beds. (laughs) No, like it's a ghost. Get up, uh, son. I can't move. But dad, you're shaking the bed. I know I can't. <laughs> no, stop. it's not me. It's the ghost. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, if he's trying to summon the occult in his little red room down in the basement and or summon spirits rather and doing occult research and that kind of stuff, I could see it freaking him out. And so that's why as an adult, he remembers, yes, I definitely had the feeling of bad stuff happening. But no, I never remember green slime coming out, pig heads, that kind of stuff. My the second part of that is I think that George probably believed some of what he was saying and was also trying to profit off of it and hyped it up because of that. I mean, have you guys ever, I mean, I'm assuming you have, I've done this many times where you freak yourself out and end up making things seem like they're there that didn't happen. Like you do in any scenario, I mean, you get so engrossed in something that it just hypes yourself up and then you legitimately for a moment think 
you saw something or whatever, and then you can actually prove it never happened. I see what you're saying, yes. Yeah, I, I can imagine a situation, whether negative or positive, that that could happen, where you convince yourself of something because you want it to be true. Right. And so, I mean, I think that that's probably what George did to himself was that in trying to search all of this stuff and constantly diving into it and trying to summon spirits and that kind of stuff, he, he kind of hyped himself up into this stuff happening. And then he exaggerated it for, for profit. Now the, what? <laughs> it's just imagining George down in his little basement room, summoning spirits. And then he sees some flies. And he's like, Oh <laughs> I man, did that. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys and then like he does it again and then he finds some green slimy mold and he's like oh yeah oh yeah it's just some ghost right here i painted that wall red yesterday and look there's green <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i mean not quite that silly but yes that's that's kind of what i'm thinking is that he was hyping himself up now as far as the murders go though I think there are tons of inconsistencies. Oh in man. Every yeah. single one of the theories and or stories from the murder is crazy. The guy than the ghost stories. Yes. I mean it, that was fascinating because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> no, no matter what angle or what theory you take, there's at least two or three significant issues. Yeah. And I want to yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never will. Yeah. He's dead now. So, <laughs> Well, the only survivor is dead. Poo. The only survivor. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's. Are you counted yeah. as a survivor if you're the one who did the killing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, a lost survivor of his family. Yeah. I guess. Well, depending on if uh, if Don had anything to do with it, maybe he is a survivor. That's true. True. Yeah, the the murder thing was honestly more fascinating even than the hauntings. Like I said, like it's it's baffling how much they don't know about what happened. Yeah. And it it's some of it's just completely unexplainable in my mind. And I don't know that we'll ever, unfortunately, ever get an answer to it. Nope. What do you guys think at home? Do you think that um Ronnie, as we refer to him as uh Did anyone <laughs> refer to him as Ronnie? Ronnie, I just did just now. Oh, okay. I just made it up on the spot. <laughs> it's like, I don't remember doing that. You think uh, uh, good old Ronnie. <laughs> Mr. Ronnie yeah. shoots a lot, was uh, working alone. It's like, like David calling him the Lutes and the Lutz in the same sentence. The Lutz. I know, it's such a Florida thing to did do. Did I really say that? The <laughs> do you think uh, Ronnie acted alone? Do you think maybe Don had something to do with it? Or does the mafia ties intrigue you the most and think, oh yeah, maybe... Just maybe it was a hit. Gone wrong. Do you that think the house was haunted or do you think it was just a bunch of slime? Yeah. Do you think it was mold? <laughs> do you mold. think actually the ghosts killed everybody? Oh. Or was the green slime real? And it, this is just like the recreation of uh, that psych episode where it's just the poison in the air vents. Mm. Yeah. So the mold was just leak. causing people to go crazy. Yeah, let us know what you think of this case. Asbestos. And if you have any theories, if you have any theories, it's the silent killer. Yep. Uh, you are the silent you're the killer. Silent killer. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you think you have the answer to either the murders or the hauntings, 
and uh, have some theories you want to throw our way, you can email us info at amateurhourpod.com. You can tweet at us at amateur underscore pod. And if you would like to continue hearing great quality content like this, you can head over to patreon.com slash amateurhourpod and send us all of your dollars and bills so that we can keep this show on the figurative internet airwaves. That's right. And that way we don't have to make up a haunting. Wait. Yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah. way we don't have to start making up stories to sell book deals. Thanks for coming, Abby. Yes, thank you so yeah, much for coming on the, the episode again. And Thanks. You know, you'll always be invited back. Uh, I know that you're most interested in these kind of stories. So anytime we're covering something like this, you can definitely hop on. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks Fun for listening, always. guys. And we appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you uh, want us to do more stuff like this, let us know. Have a great night. Peace. Bye, guys. <laughs>